You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. This is England. Kevin Flood for America's Web Radio, the classic car show. Today's guest is Lou Lusardi, who is the press officer for the Sunbeam Tiger Owners Club. Lou is also heavily involved in the world of cycling and is the founder of the Dragon Ride, one of the biggest cycling events in the British Isles. I've just scratched the surface there, Lou, if you can tell me a bit about yourself and particularly around the cycling, I think. That's something new that I found out when I was doing a bit of research on you. Yeah, certainly. Um, well, my background is in uh, medical device engineering. I worked for an American um, orthopedic company company for many years and so I got my background in engineering with them and um, the, the next the next stage was a was a company that uh, did a lot of um, electronic uh, medical device uh, items for um, Johnson Johnson mm. and then I got made redundant got laid off um, or let go as the Americans would say mm. um, and that gave me a, a um, a bit of money to set up my own business and at that time I'd got um, heavily into cycling and um, decided to set up a, a cycling sort of ho- holiday touring company uh, initially taking people out mountain biking in the in South Wales where I live mm. and um, also taking people out to Italy to take part in um, endurance cycling events. Now I used to take people out for the weekend to, to nor- predominantly northern Italy to take part in these events, which is normally one-day event, open to anybody, and uh, over quite a mountainous course. And I used to come back from these weekends and enthuse about about how uh, how fantastic they were and well-organized. And there was none of them running in the UK. So we were one of the first companies to set up an event of the this kind. They're called Cyclosportives or Sportives. And... Um, it's usually about 100 miles, 100 and 150 miles, uh, with a minimum distance of about 60, over over a fairly mountainous terrain. So we, we started the event in 2004, and it just snowballed. Uh, because there were no events of this kind in the UK, it just it, it took off like a rocket and, and expanded massively each year to the point where towards uh, about 2008, 2009, we were the biggest, one of the actual biggest cycling events in the UK. And we were voted event of the year by the top UK cycling magazine um, for about three years running. And it got to the point where the event was getting, we were getting about 5,000 5, riders. And this is this is on open roads now, not closed roads. So you're still, oh, okay. having, to, yep. you're still having to go, uh, you know, with the traffic. Um, and we saw that that's, that seemed to be about the limit. Uh, it got to the to the to the point where um, it became a bit of a watershed where uh, we looked, we were either going to have to employ a lot of people to maintain the, the growth and the service of the business. Um, but out of the blue, I got made an offer, which uh, I couldn't refuse, and got bought out by a, by a large company, events company. And um, then I worked with them for, for four years as a consultant um, up until the beginning of this year. So I, I actually finished this year working for them as a consultant. And okay. Managed to ride the event myself this year, the event that I started uh, called the Dragon Ride in, in 2004. So it's still, it's, still, it's still doing well. It's about 6,000 riders, and um, it's no longer the biggest in the UK now because um, Ride London and um, there's a local Bellathon as well come on and go close roads. 
so they can accommodate a lot more riders. Than I have people. to, uh, I have to admit to a bit of an interest there because I work for the Prudential. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, as you can imagine, um, it's a big deal for the Prudential Ride London. So it's sure, uh, sure. Yeah, it's um, but actually the first, the, the, one of the things that did spark my interest in in that sort of cycling was back in 1999 when Prudential actually sponsored the Tour of Britain back then, and they put a one day ride on from Rochester in Kent to um, South Sea and uh, on the south coast of the UK, and that was my first event of that type. And I thought this is fantastic. <laughs> And lo and behold, the sponsorship got pulled the next year, and that never, it never happened again. So, That's which is good in one respect for for, for for myself and my business. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so, so consequently, um, doing rather well out of the the cycling event, um, it, it gave me a little bit of um, spare cash. Um, initially, went out and bought myself a rather nice um, motorbike, which uh, a lot of uh, uh, Americans would know as the Honda Valkyrie. Which is, it looks like a, it looks like a um, Harley Davidson, but um, in a lot of respects, is, a, is probably a lot better made. It's a flat yeah, six, yeah. flat six no, exactly. shaft drive with with six carburetors on it. So uh, not not a type of thing you want to go out of uh, out of sync. Quite a lot of gold it's wing, it is in there, gold isn't wing, it? Yeah. yeah. It's a gold ring yeah. without all the fairings. Yeah. It's smaller stripped down like a, like a typical Harley Davidson would look Very like. Very nice. Very nice. So I had that for a few years and we, we really enjoyed that. We took it to Tuscany one year and because I've got relatives out in, out in Italy, who obviously with a name like mine. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, obviously going to Italy, it's, you, you can speak the language and stuff, so that's a great I can help. get by. I'm not, I, yeah. Conversational Italian, I struggle, but I wouldn't get lost and I wouldn't starve. Yeah, well, that's the main thing. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um... So, and then, then we, I'd, I'd always hankered for a Sunbeam Tiger. I'd, I'd uh, really liked them as a, as a teenager. I'd, I'd sort of aspired to get one as a teenager back in, um, back in the, uh, the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s. And um, I just don't know, never, never really got round to, uh, to, to, to getting one. And what, um, what struck you for that? Did you see one or did you? I can't remember. I used to be, I, I was a, a big motorsport fan back mm. in the, in, in sort of the, the, the late sixties, um, when, when Grand Prix racing was 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 at you know in its heyday, I suppose at the time, and um, and Le Mans and things like that. And I, whether it was I'd seen a road test or um, just just seen them in the um, classifieds, because at that time, probably at the late sixties, early seventies, they were they were at probably at rock bottom prices, and uh, just aspired. I think the, the big V eight as well, you know, being a fan of. Canam racing and the big V8 in the in the Tiger, although albeit it's not as big as some some V8s can no, be. It's a very light, to us, it, light vehicle, though, isn't it? That's the thing. Yes, so, yes. Yeah, very light vehicle. So, um, so we looked around to about um, oh, about six or seven years ago for um, for a classic. Having owned a classic, I'd had a had MGs for many years and uh, uh, I restored a, a, a Volkswagen Beetle as well in uh, in the late eighties. Um, so, having been sort of twenty years without um, without a classic, uh, it was a choice between a Morgan and a Tiger, and the Tiger seemed a little bit more um, usable day to day with proper wind up windows and a decent sized boot. So uh, we attended a couple of um, classic car shows and got talking to the Tiger guys, and um, I made the cardinal sin of, of buying the first one I saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done that a couple of yeah. times. <laughs> Luckily, it was pretty good. It was uh, the guy I bought it off um, uh, was big into Aston Martins and used the Tiger as a day-to-day runabout. Oh, okay. So it, 
it had been it had been tweaked um, suspension wise, so it handled very well. Was it a known car to the club members and stuff like that? Or yes, it, yes, yeah. I did check with the club yeah. that they knew what they knew of it, yeah, and um, I've since done some research on the actual car. Back to I've not managed to find the first owner, but the the second owner. Uh, onwards I've been in touch with and um, I'm actually going to meet up with the second owner in just over a week's time oh. to uh, to show him the car right Any, anybody exotic or no no no, no. <laughs> nobody exotic because you often you often wonder are you going to have to travel a long way to meet them or are they not far from you well, we're, we're going to attend there's a classic car show down south of London near Gatwick Airport called Cranley Car Show yep I know that one um so a lot of tigers go there. So we're going to join uh, join up with a few friends at that event. And the um, the the second owner of the car lives just well, actually near Heathrow Airport, um, so not far away. So it's it's on our way to get to Cranley. So um, that'll be some, that'll be interesting to find out why he sold it and all the rest of it. Yeah, it, I think. Yeah, and 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 obviously for me, he's got some old pictures of the car, which oh, uh, from from the day, you know. So it's just. Yeah, it's, it's funny, people sort of furkle around at home, don't they? Well, actually, I've got the handbook and I've got this. Yeah. And I've still got the yeah, spare right. key and all that sort of stuff. So just that's stepping right. back a little bit, what was your earliest automotive memory, do you think, that made you kind of think, oh, I, I, this car stuff, that's really for me? Oh, I suppose the, the, the very earliest yeah. memory was, was when I was probably about four years old. My, my, my dad hired them, um, because we didn't have a car then back in the late 50s, my dad hired a, a standard, I think it was a standard 10, a green one. Oh. That's my earliest memory. And, um, uh, like I say, as, in, as, as a kid, I was big into, I, I really loved my motor racing. Um, uh, mostly from magazines, because living in the, the far side of the UK, it's difficult. There wasn't a lot of race circuits. Mm. Uh, used to pop along to a local track at Landau on the bank holiday weekends and watch the saloon car racing there. So, um, you got some beautiful roads where you live, though. <laughs> why? That's why the cycling event was so was so so successful because yeah. we've got some fantastic roads really close to the main the main uh, motorways in in South Wales. So. Yeah, because you're not um, one of the clubs I belong to is the Vintage Hot Rod Association. Yeah, and um, I, I've got a. 29 model a and uh yep. one of the not million miles from you i think it's pendine isn't it That's so right, yes, um, yes. they have a yearly thing down there i've okay. i'm yet to go but i'm gonna go next year uh, oh good good but, yeah but, we took uh, the tiger along last year oh did you yeah I, I i i'm kind of it's a bit of a long drive for my old thing from reading all that way down there so <laughs> i'm kind of you know probably if i took a couple of days to do it and took my time i think i'd be all right but yeah it's you yeah. know it is a bit of a worry really what what else do you have currently just the tiger or have you got anything else lurking no it's, it's it's quite interesting having yeah. having spoken to this the second owner of the car. When he acquired the car off the first, this is a bit of a long story, but no, so bear no, with me. No, that's what we're here for. When he acquired <laughs> the car first, the engine was on its last legs. Um, so he had the the, the option of, of rebuilding the engine that was w- originally with the car. But he got offered a blueprinted um, engine that he told me came out of a Ford rally car. Now initially I thought well, he can't be can't be right. I don't know of any Fords that ever rallied with a with an engine like that. Until I did a little bit more research and found out that Ford actually did rally the Ford Falcon in '63 yep. and '64 uh, as well, and raced them subsequently in the the second generation version. So the engine that's in my Tiger predates the Tiger, so '63 Ford 260, and with a distinct possibility that it 
it may have been a, a race or rally engine at one time. Uh, the, the casting numbers are about right, but of course there's no engine number on the, t- on the, the Ford engine, so it's difficult to trace. So, so there's a potential that it could have come out of one of the, the rally Falcons. So that got my interest into, in Ford Falcons. So um, back uh, last September, um, uh, a Falcon came available in, in Vancouver. It's actually an American Falcon, so I, um, I I bought that and brought it into the UK at the beginning of oh, the year. Wow. So yeah, 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 it's totally a really beautiful car, totally original. Um, it's, I'm thinking so. It's, it's other than the fact it's had a respray, everything else is 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 original on it. Is so it a six point. or an eight? Is it an eight? It's an eight. It's exactly mm. the same engine as the Tiger. Both oh, got lovely. the uh, 4.3 V8s in them. So it's exactly the same engine as the Tiger. Yeah, exactly the same. It's actually lifted if you look at the engine bay on the falcon and you look at the tiger other than other than the air filter the air cleaner it's it it's identical so so um, so the so the falcon you you've shipped in um how, yeah. how did the shipping go because i shipped my model a over from pennsylvania and found it actually a quite a pleasant experience i didn't have too much of a problem at all shipping was easy it was getting yeah. the car registered and put on the road in the uk was the problem um the car yeah. actually um it's originally owned by a doctor in Oregon. He owned it for about he owned it for about two or three years, and then it was bought by a chap in um, Washington State who had a private collection of cars. And it basically sat in a controlled environment with all the other cars he had in his collection for fifty years. It's time for a break, and we'll be back with Lou Lusardi of the Sunbeam Tiger Owners Club after these messages. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Kevin Flood on the Classic Car Show for America's Web Radio with my guest Lou Lusardi from the Sunbeam Tiger Owners Club. So it, it's almost like a time warp machine. It's um, it, 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 it uh, you know it's, it's, it's just not being used. And, and lit- with me, it literally ticked over forty thousand miles. So it's not it's not a hard oh, life. Most of that was probably done by the doctor on his rounds around to his round his patients. Yeah. Um, the problem was that it didn't have any any doc- it hadn't been on the road, so it had, didn't have any documentation. Oh, no title. Yeah. No title. Uh. So it, it it became a real problem for me to actually get the the, um, the UK um, licensing people to actually um, validate the car. Um, and I only did that via the help of the um, the Falcon Owners Club in the states. Well, because uh, my because uh, I know the Nova thing is really difficult, and unless you have got a title, so yeah. it's um, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you were lucky to get into the country, actually. I think. Yeah, probably was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
They were really strict um, about it with mine. Well, that's good. That's great, though, isn't it? I mean, to, to pick up something like that, which, as you say, is a real time warp. Which one do you prefer? Horses for courses. Well, the Tiger actually goes... I've done quite a bit of work to the engine on the Tiger, so yeah. the Tiger really, really... Once she picks up her skirts and goes, you know, it's, it's, it's very quick. Yeah. And it handles well. Um, so, but the, the Falcon, it's, um, it's a bit like driving Miss Daisy, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's very sedate. It's um, it's got drum brakes, no servo assistance. It's two speed automatic. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So it's um, it's uh, it has to be driven with um, care and attention. Yeah. Um, although saying that, we've done a couple of um, what we call touring rallies over here. They're not performance events, but um, navigation events. So we've done we've done two rallies in it this year in 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 Wales, and some of the some of the lanes we went down were very narrow. <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting because I, I went to the Mustang celebration uh, at Bewley, must have been a couple yeah. of years ago now, and they had a whole Falcon section there. Um, and there were some really nice Falcons there. And I think, you know, you'll know, but a lot of people don't realise how much the, the Mustang owes to the Falcon in exactly. terms of its, yeah. you know, in terms yeah. of its actual birth, really. So it's, uh, no, I, I actually, I've got, I got a liking for Falcons. I think they've got their own sort of look about them. Yeah. I think they're nice. I mean, but, I mean. but going to the Cobra, I mean, as part of the sort of literature for the club, it's, as you say, Cobra performance at a tenth of the price, which is, yes. you know, that, that, says it all really doesn't it <laughs> it, it does yeah and, and, and then i mean the cobras are going for silly prices now so the tiger uh, and, and the tigers are starting to appreciate and um, i don't think you know, they'll never get to the same level as cobras but um they've been they've been undervalued for many years now do you think um shelby dying has probably helped a little bit with the value oh, yeah, as well i, think I guess so. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I've got to say, I, I I also used to like the Alpines as well. I mean, mm. they, were, they were a bit kind of asthmatic in terms of performance because yeah. of the engine in there, but the actual design is is very attractive. It's it's uh, it's quite timeless, really, as well. It's a it's a, a proper classic shape, I think. That's what yeah. I like about them. What's your What's your favourite classic? Probably a stupid question, I guess. But oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, um, it, 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 most things would be eighteen. Yeah, that, that sort of ticks the box. Um, and obviously, I've got a I've, I've got an inkling towards the uh, the blue oval, so it's Ford based V8s. So it's uh, Mustangs, Falcons, Cobras, Tigers, TBR Griffiths, you know that sort yeah. of thing. Um, but uh, I suppose if a nice Firebird or Corvette came along, I wouldn't turn them down. So it's yeah. it's, it's it's yeah, it's, the the Tiger's got to be top of the list because um, it's a lovely it's it's, it's, it's it's just so charismatic in my mind. It's unusual as well. I mean, yes. they, you don't see you don't see a lot of them about either, and you know no. you, you see a lot of Cobra replicas and things as well. So people kind of take them for granted a little bit. When you do see a Tiger, and that, like, as you said, you hear it. Yeah, that, that yeah, that's a, right. That makes a hell of a difference, yeah. really. It does. Um, it does. What about? Any sort of buyer's remorse on one you've bought ever that's been a complete basket case and you thought, oh my god! I've, I've never get, I've never been caught out on a on a classic yet. That's good. So there's always <laughs> going to be a first time. Um, the biggest risk I took was buying the Falcon because I bought I bought it without seeing it, and um, I didn't I didn't really uh, you know it was it was a big gamble. But luckily it, it was it was exactly as the guy selling it told me and. Uh, I was lucky, but the only thing I really ever got caught on was a, was a Mark II Volkswagen Golf back in the early nineties, which I bought from an auction, which was which was terrible. So I got rid of that pretty quick. That's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I think if you if you're brave and you get rid of it as quick as you can, yeah, yeah. Then I think that's the thing. It's when you start 
piling the money into it, isn't it? When it start, then it starts getting a little bit painful. I think it does. Yeah, and that's good. Yeah. That's kind of my my sort of panic with. I bought my Model A without seeing it. Yeah, and uh, but I've got a lot of photos and things, and it's it's okay. It's not quite as good as the photos said it was, but you know, I mean, it's it's not the not the end of the world <laughs> as far as it goes. No. How about selling them then? Have you sold some or sold one that you thought, oh dear, I wish I hadn't sold that? No, I don't think so. I mean, I had an MG Midget for eleven years, and and at, at, at its peak, it was it was absolutely immaculate. I, I tuned the engine and took it to Le Mans for the twenty four hour weekend for. Uh, several times it, it went really well and um was uh was was very enjoyable i mean and and that went when kids came along and um you know it was uh it just you just couldn't couldn't manage a modern car and a classic yeah. so i suppose that was the uh that was the uh the concern then so you, you haven't got too much of a problem with letting them go i think that's that's uh, a lot of people's problem is they can't actually let them go once they once they've got it they're like mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably struggle to let my tiger go now. The, the Falcon, I've only had it six months, so it hasn't. The, the appeal hasn't. You know, the, the the sort of magnetism isn't there yet on that one. But, yeah, uh, yeah it sounds uh, it sounds like it was it was what you wanted, and, and you managed to grab it. And that's the that's the important thing, I think. It's pulling the trigger on these things, isn't it? And I think sometimes right. if you dither around, right. you might miss it. Did you? Yeah. Where did you buy that one through? Was that via eBay or something like that? Or that was on eBay. The guy used eBay just to really to he, he put a he, used, he, he apparently puts very high reserve on, so they don't actually sell on eBay. So he uses it more of a shop window. Ah, because yeah, so, uh, uh, like it's, it, I suppose you got to be aware of the old drunken late Saturday night after coming back from the pub and getting on eBay, and it's like right here we go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think my I wife almost, worries about me doing things like that. <laughs> yeah, I almost bought a um, 240Z before I bought the, um, the Falcon. Oh, and nice. uh, and that was, a, that was that, I, I lost that one by $100, and that was, uh, that was a shame. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Was, that, was that from the States as well? Or? That was from the States. That, yeah. that was, that's another sort of classic I, I, yes. I quite like. Yeah. Those um, Japanese domestic market classics are taking off, aren't they, now as well? And it's, uh, yeah. there's a, yeah. a show I went to a few weeks ago, and there must have been 50 or 60 uh, Japanese domestic market cars there, which I was surprised at. So I think um, the younger people tend to like the Japanese ones a bit more than the American now, I think. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, because yeah. it seems that, I, I suppose, when you start talking about anything past about 80. 1980 with an american car they all ended up looking a bit samey until recently so unless you apart from vets and things like that but the other stuff was all pretty um generic wasn't it after that the japanese stuff looks a little bit different so um you've been um with the club for a while then what roles have you had in the club has it just been press or have you done some other things yeah press office has been my main role um it did start off um we we did a um a 50th anniversary tour uh, as part of the club celebrations for the 50th anniversary we did a tour down to monte carlo with oh, the tigers really? two years ago and um the tour actually finished in in cans in monte carlo and cans mm. and we were left to our own devices and and obviously being used to event organization i organized um a, a tour a run back from from the south of france for the for a group of us um, up through Italy, the Stelvio, and um, through the Black Forest in Germany, oh, the Ardennes in Belgium at Spa Circuit, and uh, so that was that was sort of my first official role in the club. Yeah. And I've also been um, 
active on uh, upgrading the club website, um, uh, sourcing um, uh, a web developer and getting that um, getting that through. So we've got uh, quite a nice website. Still needs yeah, I've seen it. I, I had wondered actually because it's a really nice website, and I, and I wondered with all your you know organisation of your other business and stuff as well. It's obviously a very valuable experience. Yeah. In terms yeah. of doing that kind of stuff, did every, did everyone survive the trip? Did all the cars make it back? Did many breakdowns on the? We tour? had, uh, I think, we had thirty-eight tigers um, from pre- predominantly UK tigers. We had a few uh, continental, uh, some some from Germany, uh, one from Sweden, um, one from New Zealand. They had shipped over um, two Australian cars. They had shipped over from Australia. Yeah, they, they um, don't mind travelling, do they, with their cars? No, not at all, not <laughs> at all. Um, two cars, one one of, one X X Works rally car uh, expired on the way down, and one had some, um, so we say, accident damage from uh, over exuberant driving. Ah, yeah, well, <laughs> it's it is. I'm it, getting on those roads and stuff like yeah. that with a car like that. It's just you know, it's hard to. Hard to sort of hold yourself back. It's funny because some of the guys I do this show with in the states, they, they're a lot. Of, they go to a lot of concours shows and stuff, and they do think that a lot of the people over here are mad because they've got cars that are worth a fortune and they go thrashing them around Goodwood and know, driving yeah. them into st- straw bales and stuff like that. But you know, they're there to be driven, aren't they? I mean, that's the yeah, yeah. that's are, the key yeah. to me. I think you can you can sit in a deck chair all you like, but you know you've got to get out and experience it really haven't you? I, I've never driven a Tiger and I would imagine uh, get a piece of road and just floor it I would think that's pretty hard to beat I'd say you oh, know, yeah. and that's, the, that's the thing and you can't really do that sitting in a deck chair <laughs> so <laughs> what, um, what's the history of the club how long has the hub club been uh, in existence it was, it was formed in 1975 uh, so that's 41 years yeah. ago by a, by a group of en- enthusiastic owners at the time who uh, felt that they they needed um, a club to to organise annual events and things like that, and it, it's it's, um, it's it's been quite successful over the years, and it's um, we've got other sister clubs in America, well, all over the world actually. So it's um, Are you, um, is, is yours like the mother club, um, or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I not the biggest by far, not the biggest. I think oh, okay. the American clubs are much bigger than ours. Oh, right. but, um, yeah. So, is, is do you think the uh, the vast majority of the existing cars in the states now, or are they here? Well, it always was um, the I American think it was market, all, I suppose, wasn't it? Yeah, it was um, the vast percentage of. Um, I think it was um, only about eight hundred and fifty of the seven thousand. Hmm. Actually came to the UK. They're actually sold in the UK, oh, so okay. it's it probably just over ten percent. You know, ten eleven percent of the production was sold in the UK. All the others were predominantly U- for US market. I mean, that, that's that's, that's where, how the car came about. It's interesting because the one that I saw when I was a kid, and that would have been in the, oh, I guess it would have been seventy one, seventy two. Yeah. Um, so that must have been a, a rare sight to see that one then, because it was it was probably quite well. Obviously, it was quite new then as well. That's the other. Yeah, they've the always been a rare sight. I mean, even yeah. I mean, alpines were a little bit more common, but even yeah. even the alpines are quite a rare sight these days in the UK. They but are. Um, yeah. still, still, quite a, the vast majority in the states, um, and I think our figures our figures show about um, about sixty five percent of the total made still actually exist. 
That's not bad, is it? If you think quite a high percentage for a car of that era that yeah. you know they used to rust a fair bit. Every all cars at that time, so yeah, that's, that's yeah. not a bad that's not a bad percentage of survival, really, is it? So Perhaps the, the, it. Sorry. Perhaps that's because most of them were sold in Southern California. And well, <laughs> yeah, and it, it's a, a car with no top on it a lot of the time, and it's you know that's the thing in it. I, I think yeah. the, the where they're kept and how they're looked after as well. That's the other point to it, I think. And Americans do tend to look after their cars. It's time for a break, and we'll be back with Lou Lusardi of the Sunbeam Tiger Owners Club after these messages. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Kevin Flood on the Classic Car Show for America's Web Radio with my guest Lou Lusardi from the Sunbeam Tiger Owners Club. Do, we'll keep yeah. them longer yeah. than we do as well, I think. So the club today, what's the what's the sort of level of membership you got? It, 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 it goes through peaks and troughs. I mean, we had a hiatus two years ago with the 50th anniversary. That that brought in a few extra members for that. Um, but we between, it varies between 250 and 300. That's a considerable which is, number. Which is quite good, no, um, yeah. considering that there's probably only about 350 to 400 Tigers in the UK. I was going to ask you that. I mean, the percentage of members against cars, that's quite good, isn't it? So it's quite good. Is that, Very good, yeah. Is that majority of those people have one? Or do you think there's some interested sort of people there as well? I would say virtually everybody that's in the club is, is a yeah. member, is an owner, yeah. Yeah. And I suppose the nice part of that is is a club that size with everyone having a car, you more or less know just about everybody, which is the... The nice yeah, you still get you still get people that turn up um, who 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 very rarely attend events. So occasionally you meet somebody and think, yeah. oh, "I've met you before," and they, they've had the tiger for years, you know. So yeah, it's a bit like me with the Model A club. I don't go to a lot of the actual events, and when I do turn up, it's like, "Oh, I'm seeing you for ages," and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. And it's, no, it is interesting. What um what have you got in the way of publications for the for the club? We have um a club magazine that's printed three to four times a year called Cat's Whiskers. That's edited by um, Graham Vickery, the, uh, the vice chairman of the club. And um, it's, uh, it, it's still very interesting. I mean, the current issue was, it was, was really interesting. It uh, even had a section about a falcon in it, frankly, interestingly. <laughs> um, Written by you? Or? Well, I put a, I put a uh, feature in, I think it was the last but one, um, mm. 
um, edition explaining that it was the the Falcon's big big daddy, you know, that, where the engine came from, and and um, the the feature in this month's magazine was written by another another club member who actually had a a later version of the Falcon that he raced and raced it at Goodwood as well. So he was explaining his um, his exploits in racing it. Um, fortunately, he didn't just no longer owns the car. But uh, uh, I was going to ask you about that on on the sort of event wise. How many events do you run the year yourself? I mean, you mentioned the the fiftieth year tour yep. and things like that. But do, do you have a number of sort of regular events? We, we always start off with a an event in the spring, um, usually around the, um, April time most often co- corresponding with the drive it day at the end of april and uh so that's our sort of starter season run uh, which is usually very well attended um and we'll have a, a national event which will be in september where's that, where's that we, one held it it's usually in the midlands in the middle of the uk okay yeah. this year it's in um it's near up near birmingham so um, so not terribly far away from where they were built then <laughs> no no not yeah. at all not at all yeah that's, that's right, right. Um, we did try, we tried, I think last, last year it was in, um, Harrogate, but, um, most of the, a lot of the southern people didn't fancy travelling all the way up to Yorkshire, so, uh, the numbers were a bit lower last year. As the geographical spread of ownership is predominantly the southeast. Yeah, the vast majority the cost UK of them, owners I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's yeah. the cost of them as well, and it's, um... Yeah. Yeah, but having said that, with that car where you live you're probably laughing because you've got both sides of the story really you've got someone to drive it whereas um down here mm. yeah <laughs> it's not yes, great that's right. places that's to right. drive it so, so you so have yeah, that we, event which so we've got the cat we got to cat the um the, the the sort of two two main events now what we tend to do is piggyback other events so we we get a club a club run to the donnington classic to to silverstone classic and uh goodwood so we we'll tend to get together and and various car shows around the country mm. we'll attend. Do you, um, I mean, I've interviewed um, Chris Gunby and a few other people from the MG clubs and Triumph clubs. Do you ever go down to Le Mans as a, as a gang as well? Or? Yep, yep. Um, every two years to the Classic, we'll, we'll, we'll run, a, run a trip down to there. I need and to go to that. quite often, <laughs> you'll get a group of us going out to Spa in september yeah chris said that as well it does seem yeah. that there's a bunch of triumphs mgs and also now tigers i find yeah. that, that are going out to that with all the yeah. british people that's correct <laughs> yeah chris yeah. said his memories of that is um flying down towards Le Mans and being overtaken by a bunch of bentleys with guys wearing leather hats and stuff like leather that hats. 80 mile uh, yeah <laughs> it, it's it's funny because the um i mean i've been i've been going to Le Mans since call the mid I think the first time I went to Le Mans was the early 70s, but mainly through the through the 80s and the Group C era. And you saw the transition of um, the event and the drive down. I mean, when, when I started driving down to Le Mans, you went through all the little towns and villages on the way down, and gradually they started to get bypassed. So you had the little towns by, so you'd hit the roundabout and then a roundabout and then a roundabout, so you'd go around the towns. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, then they put the the auto route in, so you don't even have to follow the old roads. But, but in the old days, before the advent of the uh, the classic, you'd go to the to the twenty four hours, and you'd stop in these these little town squares and these small French villages, maybe for a coffee in the morning, and you'd be surrounded by Bentleys and Jaguars and Aston Martins and all the classics. But that, I, I I've noticed that doesn't tend to happen so much now on the twenty four hours. It tends to be the, 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 the all the classics seems to save themselves up for the for the Le Mans classic event. 
Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I suppose it's um, cost and various other yeah. things that go in a couple of times. But also, um, a few years ago, me and my wife did Route 66, and we we had to really struggle to find Route 66 because of all the you know the freeways and everything else. Yeah. And then when we yeah. went back again, now it's kind of they're suddenly realising that they really lost a, a real draw for people, and they're putting it back now. Yeah. Right. So, and I wonder maybe they might do something like that in France, possibly. And it's it's because you know the, the, these places, it, a lot of them, particularly with Route sixty six, were relying on this sort of traffic for survival. And it's um, it's a kind of shame, really, if it if you can't get the whole experience, really, isn't it? Because you know if you it go is. through the villages and the, and the bendy roads and all that, I mean that's you know, that's what those cars were designed for. Not exactly, so much motorways, yeah. really. And that's the, no, no, that's true. That's the thing <laughs> that. So do you do you? Um, do you do anything later in the year, or do, would you rather keep them out of the nasty weather, I guess, after... No, we tend to... Usually the National in September is is, um, is, is sort of the wind-up of the season. We might, we might, if anything crops up in, in October, we might go along to that. But yeah. usually, towards the end of October, they're all being started to be tucked up for the, for the winter. Um, we, we have an AGM usually in the end of November, December, um, around, around Oxford Way. And uh, virtually everybody turns up in their modern cars for that. Yeah, I mean they are a precious resource, aren't they? And you don't you don't don't really want to take too many chances with them. I think that's the that's no, the and thing, it, isn't it? it's the fact that they salt, salt the roads heavily in the UK, yeah. and you yeah, you do. just don't want to you don't you, know, you can't have that. <laughs> no, the same. I mean, I you know I've got a Herald as well, the only like sort of a cheaper sort of classic, but I don't take that out in the winter at all because particularly no, no. round here, being near the M4, they just. Ugh. They put buckets yeah. of it down, and it 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 That's sort right. of you know you just can't do it. What um what products and services do the club offer? Do you have parts and bits and bobs? Well, like we that? we we tend to just do the, the club will just do um, clothing and a few sort of branded items, oil cans and waste paper bins and mm. things like that. So um, we don't tend to um, to do any actual parts itself, but we do work very closely with um, with the, the the part suppliers, both 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 here in UK and the American clubs are probably a bit more active than we are as far as producing parts. Uh, certainly, the California clubs um, will produce rare, hard to get parts. Um, but we've got some good we've got some good sunbeam suppliers that that will actually manufacture parts if if the uh, the market if they can see the market is there. Yeah, who, who's the sort of key suppliers in in the UK then, parts wise? Some being some spares really down in the um, in the London area, probably the the, the, the bigger. Um, we also because because many parts are um, common. Um, Alpine West Midlands are another another fairly um, good uh, outlet for bits and pieces. Yeah, because I guess a lot of the roots group stuff is interchangeable isn't it in terms of pretty much so a lot, i mean a lot of the tiger is common to the to the to the alpine the only trouble is if somebody knows you're buying it for a tiger the price usually goes up <laughs> yeah and that's that's the thing isn't it i do you do you um as a as a group do you get much stuff in from the states or do you um try and source it here if you can we we bring quite a bit in i mean recently for in, for instance the air the air filter the air cleaner on the tiger was unique to the Tiger. No other car had it. And um, over the years, people have thrown them away and put bigger aftermarket or fancy aluminium ones on. And about eight to ten years ago, they started to become quite rare. 
and the price started going up and a few years ago they were they were changing hands for around about a thousand pounds and uh, the american california uh, los angeles based club uh, reproduced them it was a combination of the california uh, the two california clubs they reproduced them and they're almost an exact copy um so that made that available now and you, you can get them as good as the the originals ever were that's good so it uh, for me, obviously, I get quite a lot of my parts in the states because it's a Model A. But um, yeah. uh, the Brexit and the, um, the the dollar hasn't done me any favours recently, done, so no, I guess it's no. a, it's the same thing as that, really, isn't it? It's it's interesting that that people don't don't work out what gets hit by these things. You know, it's uh, it's it's kind of frustrating. But so, is there much else that comes in? Would you body panels and that? I guess are all available. Most of the body UK. panels are actually made in the UK, so yeah. it's the, it goes the other way. So the, the body panels are actually made by a company in uh, in the Midlands in the UK, uh, both for the Alpine and the Tiger, because mm. it pretty much. Uh, the, the, the ones that rust really badly are pre- pretty much common to the Alpine. A uh, few of the bespoke panels on the Tiger don't tend to rust that much. Is there, I mean, um, I'm assuming that things like the inner wings and the wings and stuff like that are all different on the Tiger because of the accommodation of the engine, or is it was the engine bay that big anyway? Um, sort of, they modified. I mean, there was, there was um, rumour that in the original days that, um, that Jensen, who built the cars for, yeah. for Roots, um, they used to hit the inner wing with a with a shovel, a sledgehammer and a shovel to get a dent to clear for the uh, for the um, for the dynamo for the generator. <laughs> Wouldn't be at all surprised, either. No. Um, do you do um, sort of bits and pieces like insurance and all that kind of stuff as well? No, no, we we rely on on um, specialist classic car insurance companies who who just give us a discount because we're we're. Tiger Club members, so, so that tends to be what we uh, what we do. We don't do our own insur- our insurance. Yeah. What about um, any sort of books and bits and bobs like that? Or? Um, pr- the only thing that we tend to do is is um, we do a members contact list every few years, which, which includes yeah. all is which is more than mo- mostly helpful for the club members, so you can see who else in your area has got a tiger. And, I was going to ask um, you that, actually. Have you got many round where you are? or are you No, very know? few. Very yeah. few. Um, and actually, South Wales, as such, I've probably got the only one. Yeah. There's, there's one or two um, in North Wales. Um, I don't think there's anything west of me that I know of. Yeah. But the contact um, list is very useful, isn't it? Because it's, yeah. it's handy for... Maybe they've got a part that you you could swap with them or or advice yeah. and all that sort of stuff. A- I guess. Advice, yeah. The four the club forum and, and the Facebook page is very handy for um, for asking for uh, for information. Yeah, I had a look around on your, fa- your Facebook page was very busy, so that yeah. was um, yeah. so that's good. I mean, it, and it's it's an easy way to contact as well, isn't it? I think that's it certainly the, is. And, and the, the beauty of Facebook is so easy to put pictures up. It is down yeah. the downside of Facebook is it's it's. Um, compared to a forum, you can search a forum and you can get information that was put on that forum yes. ten years ago. Whereas Facebook, after a few months, it's very difficult to yeah, retrieve it. That's right. Instagram's getting quite popular now as well. I think in terms for car clubs and things because it's more the photo aspect of it, isn't it? Sure. But then sure, there's yeah. very very little text though, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that. But no, it is. I mean, it's sort of future plans wise. Are you you going to Go further down the social media thing because you seem to be very active in that area. It's time for a break, and we'll be back with Lou Lusardi of the Sunbeam Tiger Owners Club after these messages. 
Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Kevin Flood on the Classic Car Show for America's Web Radio with my guest Lou Lusardi from the Sunbeam Tiger Owners Club. I think we're, we're quite happy. We just like to say we just got the new website going, mm. so that needs a little bit of tweaking and refining. Um, the Facebook side of things seems to be okay, so I, I don't think we're going to move much more in that direction. What have you, what's, um, what's on the web, what's actually on the website? You mentioned the forum. We've got a forum page, we've got the links to the, the club shop, which we use, um, we use a third party, party member to, uh, produce that for us, so we don't actually have to hold stock of clothing, which is good. Um, we try not to date the clothing. <laughs> no, exactly, yeah. There's um, been some horrible it, history of that going on, hasn't there? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's on the pages, you've got the history of the club, the history of the car, um, you've got, uh, um, uh, links to magazine features, um, links to other clubs around the world. So it's 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 quite an informative um, uh, website. Oh, um, right. right, just a bit onto the car, yeah. Al- Alpine to Tiger. How did that? Happen? Well, it was obviously the t- the Alpine was was the same as the Tiger. Eventually became it was it was produced to as a predominantly an export car, and it, it was found that even with the 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 larger engine alpines that the performance wasn't there um and it all stemmed from um predominantly we think it stemmed from a a race back in the early 60s at uh, at riverside where jack brabham bruce mclaren and a couple of others racing alpines and it was one of the first race we think of the the cobra and we believe it was sort of jack brabham came up with the initial idea of of trying to get more performance out of the Alpine. So initially, Roots contacted Ferrari to see if the normal Alpine engine could be improved. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that was probably a 24-valve uh, twin-cam head and bigger carbs and so forth. Um, but that stalled fairly shortly. Ferrari probably lost interest and didn't want to bother with it. So that that um, that uh, died to death. Um, and then... The next option was um, the American uh, um, importer, Garrett, uh, contacted Shelby to see if they could do the same job with the with the Alpine uh, that, that they'd done on the AC. So um, Shelby agreed and tasked um, a guy called Ken Miles. Yeah, I, I um, Ken Miles is very interesting for me because yeah. I don't know if you've seen the book um, Go Like Hell. Yes, about, yes I have. yeah, and I I hadn't realised what a key figure he was um, yes. in the whole GT40 thing until I yeah, actually read exactly. that book, and then I was reading up about um, the history of the Tiger, and he he's 
loomed quite large there too. So he did. He, was, he, did. he, was he some actually guy. built the very first Tiger, and it looks as if it was just a straightforward Falcon engine and automatic gearbox that he 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 shoehorned into an Alpine yeah. and uh, did it did it within a matter of days um, in his shop, in his uh, engineering shop in um, in LA. So the first, the very first prototype Tiger was built by Ken Miles, who's who's British, yeah. but had resided in America for many years, raced in America, and like you say, was was quite um, quite uh, um, important in Shelby's development of, of the, the Cobra, yeah. the Daytona Coupe, and the GT40. And ultimately, that's how he met his fate, uh, testing the the J car at Riverside, which yeah. will be. 50 years this month. I mean, I know Shelby in his own right achieved a lot, but I'm not sure how much of it he would have achieved without Miles. In fact, Shelby was basically um, involved because he was he importing them, or Garrard was the importer, wasn't he? Well, yeah, it was. It, so John, uh, Ken Miles did the the first prototype. Mm. Shelby did the actual second one, and that second prototype then came back to the UK and was shown to the Roots hierarchy, and they agreed to go into production. So it was um, Shelby was actually paid a I think it was like five pounds for every Tiger that was sold or something like that. So he did get a commission on it, but not an awful lot because um, I think they hoped that they'd make them in the states, like the um, like the Cobra. But um, but the, uh, for some, whatever reason, it was decided they were going to be then in this country and Roots didn't have the capacity to to modify the Alpine shell or manufacture the Tiger shell whichever way you look at yeah. it so that was tasked um, Jensen had been producing the, the Volvo 1800 Coupe just finished so they had a bit of spare capacity so they, they agreed to do the Tiger so there are some pictures of Jensen's production line where you can see the Tigers going through and on the next line was the Austin Healy 3000s and on the next line was the Jensen CV8s. It's amazing isn't it? If you think the amount of cars and stuff and things that were produced in this sort of island oh, yeah. and then yeah. it all just vanished it's scary yeah. really and, it was, and, and a lot of it was produced in within a 50 mile radius of the yeah. Midlands Yeah the old Formula 1 triangle as they call it kind yeah. of yeah. It's, yeah, it's interesting. That's right. So what was the main difference between the Mark 1 and the Mark 2? Was it more of an evolution or well, the, the actual uh, Tiger evolved all the way through. I mean, the, the body shell gradually changed from the, the early the early cars. And the early cars had actually had um, a and a T10 gearbox. And then after about the first 50 cars, that, that was upgraded to the top loader. And it retained the, the, the 4.2, the 260 engine for a couple of years. But gradually the body shell slightly evolved. It, it started off where the, the bonnet, the doors and the boot lid all had rounded corners um and as to try and cut costs on the production they they went to square cornered so it gradually lost its square cornered bonnet its square cornered doors and and um it, it went right the way through and um the early cars had uh, metal hood bins so the hood would fold down underneath a metal cover and that event that um that went with the the series 5 alpine shell so the the later versions of the mark of the the, the mark 1a as it was called had a little tonneau cover over the over the hood and very few they're quite they're quite rare the actual british mark 1a's are quite rare there are very few of them uh, actually sold in the uk most of them went to the states mm. um and then the mark 2 came out almost at the same time that chrysler took over um and 
I'm assuming that the supply of the 260 had dried up, so the 289 and 4.7 was put in the Mark II. There were a few um, uh, trim changes, different different chrome trims on the side, different radiator grill, different badging, um, a repositioning of a few pump, uh, power and rod, and a few other things, but mm. it, it predominantly the same car. With, with just a, a, a slight facelift, different different um, headlamp cowl. What's the split, do you think, between the Mark 1s and Mark 2s? Oh, very few. Very few Mark 2s were produced. I'm not sure. I think um, there were certainly only a few... Only 10 were produced in the UK. Oh, I don't right. know, I I'm, not, no. I'm not sure the actual yeah. number totally were produced. But only 10, 10 official cars were produced in the UK. Six of them were police cars, and, and four of them were produced by Hartwell Garage. So there were only only mm-hmm. 10, but we think there are about 20 in the UK now. Wow, so they, they really are a rare, rare beast then. So is yours, a, is yours so. a Mark One or a Mark Two? Mark One, Mark One. Oh, wow. Mine's what they call a crossover, because mine's got, it's got square bonnet, square doors, and a round boot. Ah. But it's still got the hood bins. It's a, it's a sort of later Mark One. Yeah. But yeah, the um, certainly in the UK, the Mark One A is quite rare. The Mark Two is quite rare. Um, but one of the rarest tigers of the lot is the the actual South African car. Hmm. The um, Roots actually sent them out to South Africa in kit form. So they te- sent big containers out with bodies, engines, gearboxes, and they were all uh, they were all assembled in Johannesburg. Yeah. So only seventy, I think it was seventy-two or seventy-nine, can't remember the exact number, were were assembled in South Africa, and they only they had a unique chassis number okay. um, compared to the to the the rest of them, and um, very now very rare. I think there's only about fifteen left in South Africa, and very difficult to get out of South Africa now. They won't part okay. with them these days. Is there like the GT40s and the Cobras and things? I know they're building continuation cars over there. Are they are they doing anything with Tigers around that at all? No, no, nothing, nothing at all. Not there, no. Um, and the um, you mean in South Africa continuation yes. cars in South yeah. Africa? Yeah, no, no, nothing like that. And. And the actual, um, the trick to find a South African car that's genuine is difficult because the problem was during the apartheid times, they couldn't get the spares. So um, lots of uh, odd things were done to them, sort of BMW gearboxes put in them and, and Chevy engines. So uh, so some of them have been, uh, have been hacked about. Diluted. Bit, yeah, I was wondering, I was going to ask you actually, how many Alpines do you think that uh, masquerading as tigers there are around i'm sure there's few oh there's quite a few um but to the well-trained eye that can be that can be found out yeah. so um it's uh it is shunned upon a little bit to um if 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 somebody's open and said right well i've got i've got a tiger that's had an alpine body that's accepted yeah. as long as they're open about it um but sort to go the other way to get an alpine and then stick a v8 in it and say it's a tiger that's very much frowned upon it's going back to that buyer beware thing what about sporting achievements by the by the tiger i know it, that it was um, on the track wasn't it they they built three coupe tigers uh for the 64 le mans race uh one was what we call the mule which is the test car and the other two actually raced in the 64 event um Lack of money, lack of development, it didn't perform very well and never went back the following year. Um, and oddly, they got the engines from Shelby and both the engines uh, blew during the race. Um, so they, they think there's a bit of a conspiracy theory that Shelby didn't want the car to perform that well against his Cobras. Perhaps Roots should have gone to Holman and Moody and got the engines rather well, than Shelby. He's been quite successful as well. It's interesting all the connections to things. It's all quite incestuous, isn't it, the whole thing it, when you start looking is. at it. You think, hey, wait a minute, so there's this guy and this guy. But how about they did a bit of rallying with them as well, didn't they? Well, 
yeah, it was that. That was the first sort of sporting uh, dip in the water was Le Mans, um, and then in in later on they they rallied them, the Monte, the Tulip Rally, the Acropolis, um, the RAC Rally. Mm. It was it was never a brilliant car as a rally car. Short wheelbase, lots of power, um, and it was it was coming at the time when uh, the era when sort of the big engine rally cars were were, were sort of having their day, and smaller minis, imps. Lancia, you know, Lancia, um, Fulvias were coming in, so they were they weren't a bad car on the rally track, on the um, on the tarmac, but loose loose surfaces not quite so well suited. So they had a few um, reasonably good results, but um, it was uh, it was never the best of rally cars. Oh, but, good uh, fun to get the back end out though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite interesting reading. Um, there's quite a good book about the the cop the the works tigers. Quite interesting reading about the. Um, the exploits and the various different rallies mm-hmm. that they did, but um, I mean, there's still there's still quite a few people um, rallying them these days, and um, you quite often see them in historic rallies. Uh, I was going to ask that, yeah, go to the old historic rally, and I do see them. I see them on Alpines. Yes. Yeah. What about back in the day in popular culture? Was there anybody famous who used to run round in them, or? Oh. Um, that you know of anyway. Well, the, the the obvious the obvious connection to the Tiger was the Get Smart film yep. and the TV series. That's the that's the main the main one that was um, was uh, associated with the Tiger. So it was um, that one. Um, a few sort of pop stars had them in the day. I think one mm. of the Bachelors pop star uh, yeah. singers had one. Um, I was reading that they in the remake of Get Smart they had one in there as well, didn't they? Fleetingly in the background. Yes, a few years yes, back, which is interesting. Yes. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. It keeps keeps a linkage to it. But, yeah, but I guess yeah. in the end, the demise of Roots and being bought out by Chrysler and stuff probably killed it. Killed it off. The yeah, they couldn't they couldn't put the, the Chrysler engine in it. That was, Why that was, was that? Was that a size thing, or was it just Chrysler? Yeah, didn't I think it was, do it, it was a slightly bigger. I mean, it was a slightly bigger engine. I think the the dis- distributor on the Chrysler engine was at the back. Ah. So. That that was a major problem with the with the bulkhead on the or the firewall on the Tiger. That that the that was one issue. Um, I think it was generally just a bigger engine and uh, numbers. They weren't selling the numbers. The car was getting a bit long in the tough as well. Um, so it was there were a few things that weren't really going for it. So no, it's yeah. a sad way to go. But on the other hand, it, it gives it a rarity value, gives it a story, and um, that's right. It, so. Okay, that's brilliant. No, thanks for your time. And, and this has been okay. uh, Kevin Flood on America's Web Radio with my guest Lou Musardi. <laughs> saying goodbye thanks Lou thanks very much 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation Passport Transport the first and finest today that's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers concours museums tours and collectors and should be your choice from across the state to across the country when you have the need go to PassportTransport.com And enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, Just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been my insurer for years in this hobby and have... The top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.